September 9th is Taiwanese Dog Day. That's because nine sounds like dog in Taiwanese. But I think Natalie's cat might beg to differ. That's right. <laughs> This is Felix, awesome. and he's here to help introduce us to a show we call The Power of Pets. I'm Natalie So, and I'm Andrew Ryan. Let's check out the stories on our radar. Taiwan will let in U.S. pork containing the leanness-enhancing additive ractopamine. Although the move has removed a major stumbling block in Taiwan-U.S. trade ties, it has also provoked a backlash among pig farmers and the opposition KMT, which is planning a referendum on the issue. Meanwhile, the government has announced limits on the acceptable ractopamine residue levels, setting stricter standards than the current international norm. Face masks made by the National Face Mask Team will be printed with the marks MD and Made in Taiwan in an effort to stop would-be counterfeiters. That's after the owner of a company in central Taiwan was detained for allegedly selling counterfeit masks from unknown sources to pharmacies. The self-declared East African state of Somaliland has opened a representative office in Taipei. Somaliland broke away from Somalia in 1991 during a civil war. Though it has no formal international recognition, it maintains ties with many countries through its offices. At an opening ceremony on Wednesday, both Foreign Minister Joseph Wu and Somaliland Representative Mohammed Omar H. Mahmoud spoke about the shared values of freedom and democracy. An annual yacht racing event in Pingdong County is about to take place at the end of September. You don't have to be a sailing expert to join in the fun. There will also be performances, concerts, arts and craft exhibits, and different cuisines for visitors to taste. The Tourism Bureau is using the event to promote the entire Dapong Bay area with its mild climate and ideal sailing conditions. And now for our words of the week. Ready to guess, Andrew? Yes. Let's see what you have. Christmas. <laughs> Cockadoodle do. Come on, baby. Com <laughs> company. Companion. That's right.、Aww. Today we're going to tell you why pets are the perfect companion. All right, you ready、right. for my word? Yes. Okay. Andrew. Afro. Afro. Affiliate. Affection. That's Aww, right. Oh, that's nice. My little hypothesis is that we're all looking for a little affection,、uh -huh. and it's very easy to give a cat or a dog affection when you can't give it to the people in your life. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. All right. Let's put these on the shelf. This past weekend, I checked out the Taipei Pets Fair, where I talked to some pet owners, and I was really touched by how proud they were of their furry children, which is what they're called in Chinese. Let's take a look. The Pets Fair at the Taipei World Trade Center was the happening place this past week. Pets are a major two billion U.S. dollar industry, and owners love to treat their furry friends like their own children. They give them glamour shots, buy them new clothes, accessories, and toys. The fair was packed with proud pet owners, and they tell us why they love their pets. She says they're mankind's best companions. They're such good doggies and really cute. She said dogs are therapeutic and so cute. They sense what kind of mood you're in and play with you. He said he's well behaved and very soft and gentle. He said his dog is a really good boy and he's really cute. This little girl said they're really cute, and she says he's like my own child. I've had him since he was a puppy, 
He's my companion and a very good boy. He brings me so much joy. Wow, that's so great to see all those pet owners and their pets, and they you know look so happy too. They right? are. They felt like I was talking to a group of proud parents. I mean, they're just beaming. <laughs> You're kind of like a proud parent too, there I with little Felix. I am. He's so adorable, and <laughs> we're having such a great time with him at home.、Mm, I can tell, and he seems really happy too. I hope you're happy. Well, we actually <laughs> made—I actually made a little video of him and what it's been like at home with him. So、uh, let's take a look. I wanted a cat because I wanted a new friend. And that's how it started. Felix was a delight from the first day he came home with us. He loves to play and gets a kick out of surprising objects. Anything from tissues, a pair of old broken glasses, and a simple receipt can enthrall him. He's even tried his paw at playing the keyboard. Now, does he cause any trouble? Not much, except that he seems to have an insatiable appetite. Felix is almost always after our food. Seriously, it doesn't matter what we eat; he wants some. You know what else Felix likes to do? Purr. He started purring the first day we got him. We think it means he's content, and that makes us happy. There's something especially soothing about a cat's purr. Experts say it promotes healing and pain relief. It helps balance our emotions, lower our blood pressure, and relieve stress. Everyone in our family loves Felix. He's really friendly and. It's no wonder he's often the first one my husband Jeff goes to after work. He's a happy new father all over again. Felix has been a magical, soft bundle of joy ever since he came to our home. So, why do pets make us so happy? Well, there's some science behind it, and that's the subject of today's Taiwan Explained. In today's Taiwan Explain, we're going to tell you why pets make us happy. And here to tell us all about it is Catherine Wei. Hey, Catherine. Hey, Catherine. Hi. Yes, pets are the new life companion. Some say they're easier to take care of than children, and they're actually good for us. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control says that there are a lot of health benefits to having pets, such as decreased blood pressure and lower triglyceride and cholesterol levels. Interaction with our pets also helps relieve stress, anxiety, and depression. Pet owners are also less lonely and more physically active. So basically, our pets make us healthier and happier, right?、Uh, now, I've heard people talking about how maybe pets are replacing children. Is that true? It may seem like it. People in Taiwan are marrying later now, and、uh, the birth rate is very low. It hit a new low last year. Uh, the World Population Review actually cites only 1.2 children born to each Taiwanese woman. Wow! So、okay. I actually have some friends, some female friends, who are in their 30s and 40s who don't want to marry,、mm. and but they love their little dogs to death. So I, I think for some people, of course not everyone, they are the new children. I mean, they can be like a child, very、mm. lovable and、yeah. very loyal. And, and easier than a child. To there's take nothing care of. wrong with that either, too, right? right? If you prefer to have a pet than a child, go for it, right?、Yeah. But I think that maybe the concern is that people are blaming pets, like cats and dogs,、oh. as being the reason why people are having fewer children. But I think there are probably other reasons. Yeah, can't blame pets and 
Yeah. That. No. <laughs> They're just too cute. They yeah. can't blame them. <laughs> no. Whatever life situation you're in, if they make you happy, go for it. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's great to know how pets are good for us and how they make us happy. And that is our Taiwan Explain for the week. If you're hoping for a brain game about cats, then you'd be barking up the wrong tree. This one's about dogs. I like that. Sorry, guys. Is that a little bit uh, rough? <laughs> Keep them coming, man. I'm loving this. I promise I will stop. Today's brain game is a three picks. That means I'm going to show you three pictures and ask you questions about them. So, Leslie and Natalie, right. are you ready? Yes. All right. Let's have a look at our first pick. All right, so these are the remains of what is thought to be Taiwan's oldest pet dog. They actually wow. found four full skeletons like this one at a site in southern Taiwan. They were buried with clay urns, sort of like a human burial. So my question for you is, how old is Taiwan's oldest pet dog? Natalie, five hundred. Five hundred. Six thousand years old. Hit the buzzer first. <laughs> 6,000 years old. It's funny. If you mix your two answers, we come up with the correct answer. Right in uh, the, the correct answer is actually 5,000 years oh, old. Wow. So you just short a, a zero there. All right. Let's have a look at our next picture. Oh. Okay, so this is the new temple of the Eighteen Lords, located on the northeast coast of Taiwan. Now, legend has it that it was built in honor of seventeen fishermen whose boat capsized in the Taiwan Strait during the Qing Dynasty. Now, their dog is said to be the only survivor from that accident. My question for you is, who is buried at the temple? Who is buried at the temple? <laughs> Leslie. The dog. Nally. I don't know. <laughs> uh, sailors? This, the whole crew? The whole crew? Okay, so mix your answers up, add them together, and you have the answer. It's actually because it's the Temple of the Eighteen Lords, so it's the seventeen uh -huh. sailors plus the dog. But the dog survived. So what oh. happened? Well, basically, what happened is when they were burying the sailors, the dog jumped into oh. the grave, <gasps> oh and he refused to leave. So oh. they buried him along with the sailors. No. So he, of course, is revered for his loyalty. That's why they have that huge oh, statue of wow. the dog next to the temple. What a story. Yeah, what a story. All right, let's have a look at our final picture today. Okay, so this is a native Taiwanese dog. It's a Taiwan Tuko, or mm -hmm. a Formosan mountain dog. They are loyal, affectionate, and great hunters and guard dogs. Now, one of their traits is that they're very good at jumping. The question is, what does jumping help them do? Leslie, being the goodest boy on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's an automatic yes. But beyond that? Exercise? Exercise? No, I'm afraid not. This actually helps them hunt. Oh. It helps them hunt for their prey, especially when they're going after something small like a rat. You can just picture the dog jumping up and pouncing on the prey. So those are beautiful Taiwanese dogs that we have here. I think you've both seen them Hence before. Great the stories. Boy. Yeah. Love it. And you can always identify them by the uh, pointy ears that they have. So that's our brain game for today. While we are on the subject of dogs, we turn now to a heartwarming story of some Taiwanese dogs that have been given a new lease on life. 
About a week ago, my friend Shiro posted pictures on Facebook of these adorable pups called Prince and Happy, two Taiwanese rescue dogs that he volunteered to bring with him on a flight to the U.S. They were heading to their forever home. Now, Shiro also shared a video of their foster mom here in Taiwan, Zhang Su Chiao, and her husband and daughter checking the dogs onto the flight. Isn't that so cute? You can see her telling them to behave themselves while on board. Now, once he landed in New York, Shiro met with a local volunteer named Eve, and she came to pick up the dogs from the airport. Now, he also shared some videos of the doggies running around in the grass, having finally arrived in the U.S. after more than a year in foster care. They'll spend some time getting used to America and to English before going on to their forever home. Joan from Hopeful Hearts Dog Rescue in North Wilmington, Delaware, is the person who helped orchestrate Prince and Happy's trip to the U.S. She says there are many more dogs just like them in need of a home, and for her, just being able to help them has been a priceless gift. So a big salute to all the volunteers, and of course to those two gorgeous pups. If you'd like some more information, we'll have it for you in the show notes below. Back again with another edition of the Taiwan News Quiz, where I'm asking the questions. Natalie and Andrew, are you guys ready? Uh, sort of. I, guess I gotta so. warn you guys; it's a little tough if you haven't been paying attention to the news this week. <laughs> so, okay, I know you like to do that to us. Uh, right. Fifty <laughs> seconds on the clock, please. One, a supplier for Taiwan's mask rationing program was found to have imported masks from China and passed them off as ones from Taiwan. How many fake masks entered circulation? Six hundred fifty thousand. Six hundred twenty-five thousand. Three million. Oh. oh my gosh! Really? The Kuomintang had its national congress this week. At the congress, Chairman Johnny Chiang said that the party would continue to back what? Um, the prostrate annual form. The 1992 consensus. Oh. oh. At the congress, a KMT representative. Proposed taking a cut of what to raise funds for the party? Oh man, pork imports, National Palace Museum ticket sales. Oh, that's oh, right. Man. Their yeah. justification was that the KMT brought over the artifacts yeah. from China, so right. they are entitled to a cut. Oh wow! Which place opened a new representative office in Taiwan? Somaliland. Somaliland. Correct. A scandal that hit Taiwan's presidential office resulted in which one of Tsai Ing-wen's aides resigning? Oh. I think that's uh, name. Presidential office um, secretary general. Spokesperson Ding Yun-gong. Oh. Taiwan's min- monthly minimum wage will increase by 200 new Taiwan dollars next year. What will the minimum wage be? 25,000? 24. 24,000. Correct, Andrew. I'll give you that one. And last one. Over the weekend, <laughs> Taiwan hosted a huge music festival at Dajiao Riverside Park, which is right next to RTI. How many people attended that event? Oh, man. 3,000. Uh, 10,000. 25,000. Oh, yay! In That's the time nice of coronavirus. Amazing. Nonetheless. Nice and safely. And yeah. safely. That's right. All the pandemic measures were there. They didn't social distance there, but a lot of the DJ sets were brought in virtually, mm-hmm. and uh, people had a great time, apparently. Yeah. Sounds great. All right. Love and to see it. That was this week's Taiwan News Quiz. Finally, we turn to another personal pet story from RTI host John Van Trieste. He was curious if the pandemic had affected adoption trends for rabbits. And that is because, of course, he has a personal connection That's to rabbits. Right. So he now brings us a look at a rabbit shelter and his own story of what it's like to adopt. 
Meet Snowball, a little white rabbit who loves to eat, nap, and listen to classical music. You can also call him by his Chinese name, Xiao Wangzi, or Little Prince. He's a bit older now, around seven. So even though he has a whole room to himself, he usually prefers to just stay in his bunny pen and stretch out on the ground luxuriously. When the mood does strike, though, he's off exploring. Snowball is one of hundreds of abandoned rabbits that the Taiwan Stray Bunny Protection Association has helped find a new home. In his case, my home. The association rescued him from a park near Taipei, where it seems his previous owner had dumped him. We met a year ago when I went to the association's bunny shelter to do a radio interview, and well, to make a long story short, he ran over to say hi. I kept coming back to volunteer and see him, and after an adoption process, here we are. It's a busy Sunday at the shelter. There are around 100 stray bunnies living here, and an army of volunteers is packaging grass, changing litter and water, distributing food, washing blankets, and scrubbing every bowl and litter box. One of the senior volunteers, Ms. Wei, is sitting with one of the most affectionate bunnies here—a large white bunny with pink eyes. He's called Xiao Xuesheng, which means elementary school student, because he was found at an elementary school. Like many of the shelter's more furry residents, he's been shaved to keep him cool in Taiwan's hot and sticky summer. The advantage of rabbits is that they are gentle. When they are calm, they are well behaved. Looking at them is therapeutic. In terms of interaction, they are a lot like cats and dogs. They interact with you a lot. Another point is that they are independent, a lot like cats actually. They're more like cats than dogs. Most of the bunnies I knew from my volunteer days have since found homes. The shelter does regular Facebook posts and live streams introducing bunnies that are up for adoption, and once a month, the shelter also opens its doors to the public so that people looking for a rabbit can come in, say hello, and see if sparks fly. While some countries have seen an uptick in adoptions during the pandemic, Ms. Wei tells me that the numbers stayed the same in Taiwan because we never went under lockdown, and that's a good thing, she says. We would like to ask people to think carefully about it. If one day the pandemic has passed and your life has returned to normal, are you prepared for them to be with you for the rest of their life? You can't just adopt one because you are lonely. They live for ten or more years. If you can't adopt, the association provides regular live streams. Perhaps similar groups in your area do too, ready for some vicarious viewing. You may even be able to sponsor a bunny, paying for its needs and covering vet bills. If you are truly ready, though, please don't hesitate to adopt. Xiao Wangzi has been with me for almost a year, and I've certainly learned from him. He may be an old bunny already, but I'm glad I'll at least get to be with him through his golden years, living with him in a home full of his favorite music, treats, and comfy spots to just stretch out and lie down in. That is cute. so cute. <laughs> Now, if you're interested in sponsoring or adopting a rabbit, we'll have a link to the rabbit shelter in the show notes below. And our final question of the day: Who let the dogs out, Leslie? <laughs> roof, roof. <laughs> is that now? You is that not a call and response? What you're looking for? That works. I'd say President Taiwan did. Oh, that's a great one. You know who I think let the dogs out? Who? It was Felix the cat. <laughs> well, thanks so much for joining us for this inside look at Taiwan. Be sure to connect with us on social media. Yes, leave a comment below. We would love to hear from you. For Taiwan Insider, I am Natalie So. I'm Leslie Liao, and I'm Andrew Ryan. See you next week.
Taiwan Today with Natalie So. Today I'm delighted to be here with one of Taiwan's most admired and beloved dads, John Hay. Now John was named by Commonwealth Magazine as one of the 200 most influential persons in Taiwan. He became famous as a TV host in the 1980s and then brought Dell Carnegie Training to Taiwan, making it one of the most successful branches in the world. He's written numerous books on parenting, leadership, and much more. So it's so great to have you here to talk about fatherhood. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Uh, After listening to your introduction, I guess you might have taken Dell Carnegie Training. (laughs) You make me feel honored. Well, it's a wonderful course. Thank you. I think I have to admit that in comparison, as your work, your social life, I guess family is one of the the areas that's most important. See, I remember my boss, the pre, the CEO, president of Dale Carnegie Associates in New York, when he visited. Uh, Panasonic in Malaysia, he asked uh, their CEO, why did you select us as your training partners many, many years ago? Then the Panasonic CEO answered, he said, uh, because those who have taken your course, uh, their family relationship are better. That's why we select you. What you said is... uh, some people only looking at uh, from one angle aspect that a family life is family life, but job is job. But actually, it's our whole that's true destiny. It affects your whole life, right? Yeah. And it makes you happy. And I, I know that you're. Um, I mean, I've read a lot about your family. Um, oh, really? You have a beautiful family. Oh. Um, I know you've gone through ups and downs with your kids. Sure. They went through teenage um, oh. rebellion. Some of them, yeah, right? The <laughs> midlife crisis. <laughs> can you share? <laughs> can you share about how uh, you got through that? Okay. And then the, what you learned? Um, I think being a parent, either mother or father, it's uh, kind of like. Um, it's uh, kind of like an endless journey. You see, most animals, lions, or tigers, or kangaroos, or elephants, or whatever, you name it, almost all can stand up, start walking once when they were born. But a humankind is different. You take it from the small baby, you have to hold him, feed them, totally helpless. They, 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 they need a, a long time. 100% <laughs> attendance. And then gradually, uh, over the years, they become independent. Then the parents have to grow. Some parents are still treating their kids as they were kids. That's But true. actually, they are teenager, 20. You know, there's a famous uh, writer named Long In Tai. Uh-huh. <laughs> Years ago, she said that she asked her two sons, let's have a family get-together in an island, beautiful resort. And their second son said, oh, hey, from in Germany, I'll, I will bring my wife, uh, my girlfriend with me. 
Then Loin immediately said, No, it's all our family get together. Don't bring your girlfriend. Just one or two days later, the son wrote back, said, uh, We decided if my girlfriend couldn't go, I would go. Oh. So Loin suddenly realized my kids are growing up, up and my mindset or mentality are kind of like uh, becoming my son's xiao san. <laughs> uh, mistress. <laughs> the extra, the mistress. third party. <laughs> mistress. So, but uh, she, you know, she mm. so put it so frankly, so beautifully. The reason I want to bring this up first is that uh, it's parenting has several phases. The childhood phases, kind of primary school, kindergarten phases. That time, parents have to be, how do you say, accompany, ban, and play with them. Either chess or play ping pong or swimming. But most parents say, I don't have that many times. Mm. I have to work. And after work, I'm tired. I have to cook. I have to watch TV. But uh, some psychologists said the kids only need the golden 15 minutes. Oh. If you spend a hundred, but it have to be all Very focused. focused. Uh, don't watch it, watch TV and uh, play with them. I think we can all spend we can all do 15 that. minutes. Yeah. And then once they're in high school, parents have to grow, grow into treating your kids as a friend. And the most common denominator of friendship is uh, communication. Mm. Listening, especially listening. Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> We're used to telling them what to do. <laughs> yeah. And uh, listening has to be what they call active listening. Like you are listening to me mm. talking now, or the audience. Eye contact is most important. But today, everybody was That's true. texting or right. playing with these 3C machines. So that kills communication. So uh, I remember a father of a big company asked me to give them a talk during the after New Year's the spring um, uh, banquets. Yeah, banquets. Then I mentioned this. Their, their general manager, I think we call president. After my talk, he raised up. He went up to the stage and took over the telephone and told every one of his staff. He said, one day his son, uh, 11 years old, came home. He said, Daddy, Daddy, let me tell you one thing. He's still either typing or watching the, his computer. Then the kids walk away. And then during the dinner, the father, he said he remembered this. He said, hey, what did you want to tell me? I remember you wanted something to tell me. The son said, Jiang Yan Miu useless to talk. The father said, just try it. What was wrong? Then after a few agony and struggling, the son finally said, during that day, he learned how to swim. Aww. Because the boy, 11-year-old boy, 
has a phobia on water. Wow, that's a big deal then. Yeah, even walk on the water, shallow like a jacuzzi, he wouldn't do it. So the father hired a coach just to very patiently, nicely, you know, to accompany the kid. I don't know for how long. So on that day, breakthrough, he, he swim. Wow. But just if the father took his hands down or just turned around, what is it? Then the son may tell him. But can you imagine what, what a pathetic result would be if father just forgot it oh. uh, to mention during the dinner? That's true. So during the teenage years, the best friend a teenager has is those who are interested in me and uh, respect me, and it showed in active listening. The active listening is eye contact, focus, ask questions, respond in gesture, in facial expression. That's during the teenage years. And then once they are in college, in graduate school, or even graduate like me, my youngest son is 46 now, <laughs> <laughs> Joseph. During the, after they, they enter the college, or over 20 hours, or even start working, the relationship changing to consulting. Mm -hmm. We are their consultant. And the consultant must, in addition to company, to listening, and you should uh, uh, sharing, talk with them. However, the taboo, the most critical factor in consultants is never, never, never make decision for them if they, <laughs> or even force them. For example, how many parents can refrain from telling your kid to select that major, major. You want him to be an engineer. He likes to take philosophy. But your, your first reaction is, how could you make a living as a philosophy? Right. <laughs> but uh, all, the, all the analogies or, or theories I mentioned, I went through. My youngest son wants to be an actor. He, well, he's a Stanford graduate. Yeah, he wants to be an actor. <laughs> I was so glad I didn't stop him. Hmm. Let him try. Let him fail. <laughs> That's the most difficult one. Let him hmm. hurt even something disappointed. But uh, finally, this issue is his. But he, I'm so glad he keep asking me questions. Talk to me. If you have the patience and learning, growing, even sometimes need the resilience. But once you overcome or you gain it, I can guarantee you that most probably most worthwhile journey you have taken. Mm. Well, yeah. what about you um, personally as a dad? What was the most challenging stage for you? And how did you um, get through it so well? All right. You want a frank answer? Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, about my daughter. 
she started loving boys when she was very young, fifth or sixth years grade. Oh. Sixth grade. Twelve, I'd say twelve That's years old. That's hard for a dad, right? <laughs> Start, she she doesn't mind telling us, but unlike all those traditional conservative parents, we're last generation. But we have to to tolerate. <laughs> and then after she entered high school, then boyfriend. One after another, different. Then when she brought those boys into our house, we really want to kick him out. <laughs> she really, uh, ah, you didn't like pain. any of them. <laughs> it's a pain, you know. But uh, but she went through. Mm. That's an agony age. Later, when she, her husband, they just celebrate their twenty fifth anniversary. Is her high school sweetheart. Oh, so it? one of them did work out. Yeah, you know, <laughs> these are what parents have to take. And what's the reward? <laughs> at, at my youngest son's wedding in Stanford Campus Church, beautiful church, grass yard outside, large one. And... Um, before the wedding, we were all standing, all the guests, relatives, friends, classmates, all standing on the on the yard, grass yard. And then one of my relatives came over to me, cousin Yulong. <laughs> he said, uh, I don't admire your reputation. I don't admire your wealth. I don't admire your technical competence or something like that. But uh, I, the only thing I really admire is your four kids. Remember, that's the wet before the wedding of the youngest. I 100% believe he told me the true feeling. That is John Hay. He was named one of the 200 most influential people in Taiwan by Commonwealth Magazine. He's the founder of Dale Carnegie Training in Taiwan and the author of many parenting and leadership books. We'll be talking to him more next week about fatherhood. I'm Nellie So. Thanks for tuning in to Taiwan Today. John Van Trieste and the destination 1919. This week, the Republic of China celebrated its 106th anniversary. As in many years past, the main celebrations took place outside the presidential office building in Taipei, an elegant building with a tall central spire. This building has served as the office of the Republic of China's presidents since 1950. 
The building's architects never imagined that this is how it would be used, nor did they envision the Republic of China flag flying from its central spire. When the building was finished in 1919, it was instead the symbol of an empire. But since it was built, the story of the presidential office building has been closely tied with the story of Taiwan. Today, rather than empire, it represents Taiwan's forward-looking democracy. Today, we're looking back at the history of the president's office and at how its meaning has changed. The story begins in 1895. That year, a war between Imperial China and Japan ended. And in the final treaty, Japan secured control of Taiwan. This was the beginning of 50 years of colonial rule. During these years, Taiwan was to be subject to Japanese governor-generals, and a suitably impressive headquarters would have to be built for them. In the first years of colonial rule, the governors made do with what they had. The first governor-general occupied a western-style customs house in the port city of Keelung, just north of Taipei. Then, when the government was moved to Taipei, a new headquarters was made out of an old Chinese administrative complex. In 1900, a site was found for a new headquarters. But until it was built, the governors stayed where they were, though their buildings were eaten through by termites and even burned in 1905. Taiwan was now up to its fourth colonial governor, and the time finally seemed right to actually build the new headquarters. But what should the new building look like? Some officials thought that the way to find the best design was through an open competition. And so in 1906, the contest kicked off. It ended in an awkward problem. On closer inspection, the winning entry looked suspiciously plagiarized. At the very time the contest was coming towards an end, a strikingly similar building was already on its way towards construction, the Peace Palace in The Hague. The design was disqualified. But when the government turned to the second place entry, it found the design didn't meet its needs. In the end, yet another architect was called in to modify the design. And so none of the designs really won. The building was in use before it was even finished. In 1916, as work was still ongoing, a Taiwan industrial exhibition was planned here. As far as the colonial government was concerned, this couldn't wait. For them, 1916 was an important year, because Japanese rule on Taiwan had just passed the 20-year mark. When the building officially opened in 1919, it was a structure the authorities could boast of. No structure in Taiwan stood taller than its central spire of 60 meters, and the building was full of the latest technology, from telegraph systems to elevators. As the building was being planned and readied, something dramatic was happening across the Taiwan Strait. A revolution begun in 1911 got rid of China's last imperial dynasty and established the Republic of China. As the decades wore on, relations between the new republic and Japan would come to be strained. They were on the verge of open war in 1936, just after Taiwan marked 40 years of Japanese rule. 
War broke out in 1937, and in the 1940s, as the Allies became involved in the conflict, the Governor General's office in Taipei became a target. The building had known disaster before, for instance, a fire that broke out in 1935. But during the war, the building suffered its most serious damage yet. During air raids, it was hit directly by American bombs in multiple spots. And now another fire swept through the building, this one lasting three days. The war ended in 1945, with Japan relinquishing Taiwan and the Republic of China assuming control. The old colonial governor's office was repaired, and the new authorities renamed it for the Republic of China's leader, Chiang Kai-shek, on the occasion of his 60th birthday. But while the building was important for Taiwan, it wasn't that important in the scheme of things. Right after the war, the Republic of China continued to rule the Chinese mainland. The Republic's capital was at Nanjing, with its own perfectly good presidential offices. But the Republic's rule was being challenged by Chinese communists. It was a fight the Republic wouldn't win. In 1949, the Republic's forces retreated to Taiwan. By this point, the old governor's office, now long life to Chiang Kai-shek Hall, was back to its former condition, just in time to become an office for Chiang Kai-shek's government. There were those at the time who imagined that this would be a temporary state of affairs, that the Republic would one day retake the mainland and return to Nanjing. But this never happened, and from 1950 onward, this gradually came to be accepted as the president's office. The building has gradually changed with Taiwan. For decades, Chiang Kai-shek ruled Taiwan under harsh martial law. His son and successor, the late president Jiang Jingguo, lifted martial law in 1987. Democracy came to Taiwan, and though quite slowly, the president's office caught up with the spirit of the times. As Taiwan society opened up, so too did the presidential office, allowing public visits for the first time in 1995. As Taiwan's people became concerned about preserving cultural heritage, the presidential office was declared a historic site in 1998. Finally, in 2006, the old name Long Life to Chiang Kai-shek Hall was dropped and replaced with its current, if rather plain name, the presidential office building. The building remains an important Taipei landmark. It's a backdrop not just for the Republic of China's National Day, but also for the thriving of Taiwan's democracy. The boulevard that runs past the building, once also named for Chiang Kai-shek, is now a key spot for protests. Once a symbol of colonial rule and a headquarters for autocrats, the presidential office now stands for freedom and openness. The building's official website even interprets the Chinese characters that make up its name in a democratic way. It says the character, meaning seat of government, can be split into two parts. The inner element shows the idea of being entrusted by the people, and the element on the outside has the meaning of factory, a symbol, the website says, of working to meet the people's needs and wishes. According to this view, the building's new name is a sign of people power, something Taiwan's people are fiercely proud of today. I'm John Van Trieste, and I hope you'll join me again next week for another journey through time.
The sound of the Puyuma tribe on Radio Taiwan International. This is Taiwan Explained, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. Today's Taiwan Explain. We're going to tell you why pets make us happy, and here to tell us all about it is Catherine Wei. Hey, Catherine. Hey, Catherine. Hi. Yes, pets are the new life companion. Some say they're easier to take care of than children, and they're actually good for us. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control says that there are a lot of health benefits to having pets, such as decreased blood pressure and lower triglyceride and cholesterol levels. Interaction with our pets also helps relieve stress, anxiety, and depression. Pet owners are also less lonely and more physically active. So basically, our pets make us healthier and happier, right?、Uh, now, I've heard people talking about how maybe pets are replacing children. Is that true? It may seem like it. People in Taiwan are marrying later now, and、uh, the birth rate is very low. It hit a new low last year. Uh, the World Population Review actually cites only 1.2 children born to each Taiwanese woman. Wow! So、okay. I actually have some friends, some female friends who are in their 30s and 40s who don't want to marry,、mm. and but they love their little dogs to death. So I, I think for some people, of course not everyone, they are the new children. I mean, they can be like a child, very、mm. lovable and、yeah. very loyal. And, and easier than a child. There's nothing wrong with that either, too, right? right? If you prefer to have a pet than a child, go for it, right?、Yeah. But I think that maybe the concern is that people are blaming pets like cats and dogs、oh. as being the reason why people are having fewer children. But I think there are probably other reasons. Yeah, can't blame pets and. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> They're just too cute, but you、yeah. can't blame them. <laughs> no, whatever life situation you're in, if they make you happy, go for it. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, it's great to know how pets are good for us and how they make us happy. And that is our Taiwan Explain for the week. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. 
Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kilohertz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kilohertz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kilohertz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kilohertz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.